G'day mate, 40 here. You may think, wow, that's a magnificent view, 40. I'm sure the people in Sydney, they want to preserve this you know, marvelous city, one of the world's safest big cities. I'm sure they're going to be very careful about who they allow into their country. Well, you're only saying that because you're kind of some kind of fascist, you're some kind of xenophobic nationalist guys. And why would you not want to share this with the world? Particularly when we're living in a time of, of a climate emergency, man. This is this is from the New Yorker. One of climate change's many compounding injustices is that the highest costs will be borne by those who have contributed the least to the problem. Okay, so those people who contribute the least to climate change, we should be welcoming them here into Sydney. So people from Somalia, like per person, they contribute about one thousandth as much to climate change as your average Australian. So what Australia needs is the importation of about 10 million Somalis. I mean, I think it's only just, don't you? Several low-lying island nations, including Tuvalu and Kiribati, are destined simply to disappear. In Bangladesh, some 2,000 people arrive every day in the capital, Dhaka, many driven by storms or rising seas that have made village life difficult. In Pakistan... Okay, so that sounds like awful suffering. I mean, what can we do as Australians? What can we do as Americans to invite these poor suffering people into our homes and most importantly into our hearts? This past summer, flooding caused by supercharged monsoon rains killed a thousand people and forced 600,000 more into relief camps. Guys, because of this... In 2016, the United Nations... This man-made climate change, we have to completely revamp our economies. We have to give up all ideas about nation, nation-state, you know, our country, our people, and start welcoming in, you know, Africans and you know Bangladeshis into our into our homes and into our hearts. Since High Commissioner for Refugees estimated that globally an average of 21 million people were being displaced by weather-related events every year. The UN's International Organization for Migration guys weather because of the weather we need 21 million more migrants to the first world. There's all sorts of weather going on that's not as nice as this, guys. And so, to compensate people who are suffering from weather, you need to invite them to Australia and to California. ...has projected that by 2050, as many as a billion people may be on the move. In the coming decades, huge populations will need to seek new homes. Gaia Vince, a British journalist, has written, either you will be among them or you will be receiving them. That sounds nice, doesn't it? I can't wait, a billion people, right? I don't think we'll be among them, but we'll get to receive a billion climate migrants from Somalia and from Bangladesh. Doesn't that sound nice? I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna energize our, our tired blood. Thank God for climate migration. Almost as much as climate change itself, this great displacement will test national and international institutions. One possibility is... Oh, come on now. More than testing national and international institutions. What they're going to test is whether we're hiding, holding on to like medieval conceptions of the self that, that uh, 
have some kind of porous cells where, you know, if you have a dozen Somalis moving next to one, that's going to have some kind of negative effect. And it's going to transform us from, you know, our old hidebound traditional medieval views about, you know, this, you know, love of our people, love of nation, any ties that we have to ancient folkways and to, to bigotry and to fear and distrust of the outsider. I mean, climate migration is going to be a fantastic opportunity for us to open our hearts, open our homes, open our minds, open our countries, open our communities, perhaps most importantly of all, open our legs to receive the vibrant, suffering, energetic you know, third world is who want to penetrate us. Climate refugees will be welcomed. This could happen because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, climate refugees should be welcome, guys. It's the right thing to do. I'm sure you agree with me. It's the right thing to do. I'm trying to trying to protect this live stream from the wind. I learned from JF Garupi the most important thing for a live stream. How'd you like it, mate? Was it was it a good experience? Now JF says that the audio quality is the most important thing for a live stream. So I'm trying to protect. I'm using my body as a shield here to protect the, the high quality audio that you expect from my live streams. Or it could happen for less high-minded reasons, as Aka Ramon a former foreign secretary of Kiribati has observed countries like Australia need workers while the citizens of countries such as Kiribati will soon need a different place to live. These needs are complementary. Nice. The EU too faces a labor shortage. Complementary needs. This is marvelous. We're going to work together. People were warm and welcoming. And uh, you had some nice experiences with uh, some uh, gay Australians as well. Did you get in some cottaging at Hyde Park? Very nice cottaging going on at Hyde Park, mate. You know, you can, you can go to Hyde Park, get in some cottaging, and it's frequently a complimentary experience, just like Australia needing workers and these third world nations needing to move. So it's like a, it's like a win-win. It's like a complimentary I also remember a heavy homosexual feel to Sydney. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know you mean that as a compliment. So, yeah, Sydney is one big gay disco, right? And that's part of what makes Sydney so amazing. Communique issued by the European Commission in April noted that there's a strong economic case for allowing in more legal immigrants, especially since... The transition to a climate-neutral economy will require additional labor and new skills. Climate migrants could play a key role in decarbonization, providing a new kind of... Yeah, that's what we need. We need climate migrants. They could, they could play a really significant role in decarbonization. So how do we select for migrants who can play a key role in decarbonization? I mean, that would be awesome, right? Bring in some migrants and you know, get some you know, really powerful decarbonization going on. A really you know, powerful cleansing experience, man. 
I thought that would just be tops. So I'm just kind of lying on my back here, just you know, just ignore me and just uh, hanging out. Now you may think, oh, 40, you're trying to pose in some kind of seductive way, but I'm an intellectual. You know, I'm a very spiritual man. I'm a very respectable man. I'm just I'm not just you know lying on the grass in a in a seductive manner trying to you know, score some action. You would be completely wrong if, if that's what you thought was going on right now. I'm just stretching out to provide you with the highest quality audio experience for this live stream. <sighs> but yeah, I remember when I was back in the 90s posing for Playgirl. I was asked to do poses like this, but that's a long time ago. I'm just a, I'm a different man now. I'm not like that anymore, right? I've changed. Times have changed. Feelings change of win-win narrative. Another possibility is that climate migrants, like millions of migrants before them, will be despised. Oh, no. Rich countries, including those in the EU, will try to keep refugees out. Oh, and those no. who manage to slip in will be herded into camps. That's bad. In an effort to gain power, right-wing politicians will vilify them. Oh, and no. this will encourage yet more racism and xenophobia. Oh, a social feedback loop. Oh, no. Georgia Maloney who recently That's became so Italy's prime minister, has said that her country ought to repatriate the migrants back to their countries oh, and then sink the boats that rescued them. No. Both the effort to limit climate change sad. by replacing the world's energy systems and the effort to adapt to climate change by erecting dikes and seawalls will take mm -hmm. place in the context of climate change, which is, say, a cyclones, drought, fire, and sea level rise force millions of people to flee. Oh, wow. It's possible that cascading crises will accomplish what 30 years of climate negotiations have not bags. and unite the world to seek the best way forward. So. Or it's possible that the same forces that have prevented cooperation in the past, nationalism, corporatism, sectarianism, oh, fear, yeah. will, under the stress of climate change, only intensify. Why? So far... Average global temperatures have That's risen by 1.1 degrees Celsius, 2 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, this is terrible. 1.5 degrees Celsius. Okay, there's one good thing in this article. I heard some really good explanations for how how climate change actually works. So let me see if I can let me see if I can uh, fast forward that. Agreed like that the, something had to be done. The New Yorker: Climate change from A to Z. Come on, mate. Go back. I want to. I want to show the people the, the good stuff here. Right, climate change from A to Z. Often lasted well into the night. The topics ranged widely from aeronautics to volcanology. It's the climate. The society devoted several sessions to considering the instruments that would be needed by Solomon Augusto Andre, another early member of the group who had decided to try to reach the North Pole via balloon. Whatever the quality of his instruments, Andre's voyage would result in his death and the death of his two companions. Sad. A question that particularly interested the physics society was the origin of the ice ages. All over Sweden lay signs of the glaciers that had, for vast stretches of time, buried the country. Rocks with parallel scrapings, strange sinuous piles of gravel, huge boulders that had been transported far from their source... 
But what had caused the great ice sheets to descend, carrying all before them? And then what had caused them to retreat, allowing the rivers to flow once again and the forests to return? In 1893, the society debated various theories that had been proposed, including one linking the ice age. I don't know about you, but my theory is evil white men are responsible. Right? Whether it's climate change, glaciers, all right? There must be evil white men responsible. Yes, this is the Sydney Opera House, mate. This is the view. I'm up here on a little gentle grassy hill at the Royal Botanical Gardens. It is 5.41 p.m. It is 72 degrees Fahrenheit, mostly sunny. Heading, we've had a high of 73 degrees today. Going for an overnight low of 52 degrees. So right now it's about uh, 20 degrees Celsius. Changes to slight variations in the Earth's orbit. The following year, Arrhenius came up with a different, and he thought, better idea. Carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide, he knew, had curious heat-trapping properties. In the atmosphere, it allowed visible light to pass through, but it absorbed the longer-wave radiation that the Earth was constantly emitting into space. What if, Arrhenius speculated, the amount of CO2 in the air had varied? Could that explain the glacier's ebb and flow? The math involved in testing this theory went far beyond what was possible at the time. Arrhenius didn't have a calculator, let alone a computer. He lacked crucial information about which wavelengths exactly CO2 absorbs. The climate system, meanwhile, is immensely complicated, with feedback loops nestled within feedback loops. Arrhenius, who would later win a Nobel Prize for an unrelated discovery, plunged ahead anyway. On Christmas Eve, 1894, he began constructing a climate model, the world's first. He assembled temperature data from around the globe and made ingenious use of a set of measurements that had been taken a decade earlier by an American astronomer, Samuel Pierpont Langley. Okay, this is from 1864, and he basically predicts the very things that are supposedly driving climate change today. It's amazing. Langley had invented a device, a bolometer, for gauging infrared radiation and had used it to determine the temperature of the moon. Arrhenius performed thousands of computations, perhaps tens of thousands, and offered labored over this task for 14 hours a day. He was still calculating away as his marriage fell apart. In September 1895, Rudbeck moved out. In November, without having seen Arrhenius again, she gave birth to their son. The following month, Arrhenius finished his work. I should certainly not have undertaken these tedious calculations if an extraordinary interest had not been connected with them, he wrote. Arrhenius believed that he had unraveled the mystery of the Ice Ages, a riddle that had hitherto proved most difficult to interpret. He was at least partly right. Ice ages are the product of a complex interplay of forces, including wobbles in the Earth's orbit and changes in atmospheric CO2. His model turned out to have another use as well. All across Europe and North America, coal was being shoveled into furnaces that were bellowing out carbon dioxide. By thickening the atmospheric blanket that warmed the Earth, humans must, Arrhenius reasoned, be altering the climate. 
He calculated that if the amount of carbon dioxide in the air were to double, then global temperatures would rise between three and four degrees Celsius. A few quadrillion computations later, vastly more advanced climate models predict that doubling CO2 will push temperatures up between 2.5 and 4 degrees Celsius. Okay, that's kind of amazing that uh, he anticipated our modern climate change models back in 1864 just using CO2. So I'm I'm sorry that it cost him his marriage, but... uh, Sometimes you have to sacrifice for science, right? We all have different hero systems, like, meaning that we all need to feel heroic, right? And if we're not accomplishing things that are heroic, then we need to attach ourselves to people, communities, societies that uh, enable us to feel heroic. So if you're not making you know, breakthrough scientific calculations, you're not making you know, earth-changing YouTube live streams, if you're not creating you know, amazing works of wooden sculpture, right, you have to attach yourself to some community. Maybe you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, and you bask in the reflected glories of the Dallas Cowboys, and thereby you feel heroic. So you have to attach yourself to something heroic. Imagine that you're part of a greater whole if you're not out there creating heroism yourself.